treating um, the way we worked as some guiding principles and used Agile as a toolkit to do that. You know, it's like a plumber who rocks up, you know, you've got a problem to solve and he rocks up having an idea about how to fix plumbing, but he's got a big toolkit with him. He wears a belt and his, his preferred tools are on his belt, but out in the van are some other things. And that's what we're saying. I might have Agile tools in my belt, but honestly, I can make collaboration, for example, happen in many ways. Welcome to Laugh Lonely Podcast Show Season 2. Simplify your systems to amplify your results. I am JC Jeanette Cremor. I interview amazing guests to hear their stories and we share practical advice to plan and implement your business projects. Hope you enjoy this episode. On today's episode, I've got Jordana Patterson has championed the adoption of Agile principles and mindsets at World Vision Australia over the last three years. This is going to be a really great episode. She shares her experiences of marketing operations manager. She has a broad and challenging remit. Her role is part process design, part operations, part budget management, and part portfolio and part team coach. Oh my gosh. Already, I know what she's going to be sharing with us. The parts, all the parts, how she's going to mix them together. In addition to being an all things agile at World Vision, she can often be found chasing too many monsters around the house, backing up a storm or barracking for her beloved St Kilda Football Club. Yeah, um, I know Jordana because also um, her cousin, Benjamin, married my daughter, Kirsty. So we have a little bit of a family banter around the football, her St Kilda Football Club and my Gold Coast sons. Um, but she's worked at World Vision Australia for eight years, and I'm so excited to have her. Hello, Jordana. Hi, Janine. Great for you to be here. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, and your two little monsters, Miles yes. and Ollie. Yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I've also know as part of your part of everything, you're also doing a part fate for the school at the moment as well. Yeah, I'm not doing part of fate. I'm the president of the fundraising committee. So I'm doing a whole fate, but that's another part of my life. Oh, crazy. I don't know where to stop. <laughs> a true project leader, I think. Yes, yes, yes. a project, yeah, someone that gets the work done. Yes. Can you share a little bit about your career journey? And although you've spent eight years at World Vision, I know you didn't start there. So what inspired you to jump into the project space? Uh, well, I started my career... Uh, in advertising so you know I sort of fell out of a marketing and management degree and into the advertising world and I was there for about um, 15 years and I dabbled in all sorts of clients that ranged from automotive, FMCG, um, alcohol, um, everything uh, and then I did some branding projects as well like launching the new Bank of Melbourne a few years ago um, and then to be honest I kind of burnt out a little bit it's a pretty tough industry and at a time where I sort of thought, I'm not sure if I can keep doing this, but really knew that I enjoyed working with creative teams. Um, when I went to search, I discovered a project management role at World Vision working with their creative team. And that's, I suppose, what drew me into to that world. I knew I had broad project management skills. It's, it's the, they were the skills I built in an advertising agency in the client services space. but um, I thought this will be great to do the things I love. They basically had an in-house agency team 
So everything from, you know, designers, copywriters, photographers, videographers, all those same, you know, amazing creative people to be around, but doing and still doing the thing that I knew I was really good at. So that's what drew me into the world vision space. And obviously I've enjoyed it enough to stay there for eight years. Yeah. So, wow. So a bit of a creative mind as well as a structured mind. That's yeah. Look, I would, you know, I'm, I'm a typical person who's always going to say I'm not creative (laughs) Um, and have since discovered that maybe I'm more creative than I thought, but you know, just in a different way to, you know, people who do what we call uh, jokingly say the the pretty pictures and that sort of thing. So um, I immensely enjoyed putting my, you know, um, project management and sort of ops-minded thinking into that space and I could see that it was really valued by them. It doesn't always feel valued in an agency space, though I know it's necessary. This team, I've always felt really valued someone to give them guidance and structure and um, and act as that shaping force, I guess, which leaves them to do the, the creative work. They get to do what they're good at. I do what I'm good at and together they come together to actually, you know, really deliver a strong piece of work. Yeah, yeah. And for me, I think there's a whole debate about creative thinking versus creative design. Yeah. They're two different disciplines, but they're both creative in their own right. And yeah. 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 And people surprise me sometimes by saying, oh, that was a really unusual solution or I would never have thought of that. And I was like, that seemed obvious to me. And that's when you know that, you know, that there's absolutely a... um, uh, a creative bent for all of us to take on that's just about the way we think and our view on things and when we offer that up to everyone you know that that's where the gold happens I'm not a creative designer I can barely draw a stick figure but you know <laughs> I can come up with creative solutions you know in my in my sphere of reference if you like in, in yeah. you know in my area of expertise yeah I get it I really get that now I know that um you've been asked to now speak at a lot of conferences, but I wanted yeah. to understand before we get to that, uh, why did you go and implement an agile approach to your projects at World Vision? What was the problem that you're trying to solve? So I like to tell people that um, I didn't choose agile. Agile chose me. <laughs> but I mean, look, the the boring reality perhaps is that, you know, for a period, World Vision felt like agile was a, a faddish thing. You know, they put everyone through fundamentals training. And when I went on maternity leave for a short period, I came back and my colleague had gone, hey, we're using these tools now. I'd already done the training. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I get what you're, what you're using here. And I think at the time, um, we'd, just, we'd come out of a, a pretty deep restructure and the team were, were, were lost. You know, it was really unclear to us what the priorities for the business were. It was very unclear to the business and the rest of the chiefs what it was marketing was working on. And we had very few people to be working on it. So we, we were in this constant cycle of um, of having to say, we can't work on that right now. And the people say, why not? What are you working on? And we're like, well, all of these other 10 things. And we'd be like, which, which of the 10 are the important 10? Like, what should we focus on? So we were always having this conversation. And to start with, those tools gave us a way to enable some conversation broadly across the business to see us through this really grey patch of, um, you know, it was just a season where we had to work to re-establish some operations, some team functions and that sort of thing. So it it saw us through that. But after that, there was a point where I I realised that 
we had used some tools to help us through a, a particular problem, but there was actually something so much more behind it. Mm. Uh, and if I take the word agile out of it, what I actually found for myself was actually just a way to help teams work better together and ultimately help them to succeed and succeed more. Um, and that's, that's what really drew me to keep, to keep going with it. We saw some successes just by using some tools, but it was when, when I discovered Heart of Agile as a, you know, as mm -hmm. four really simple principles and changed the way I taught it to my team and other teams uh, that I really, I felt really connected to it. Like personally, I, I, I actually personally felt like I'd finally found the thing that I was meant to do mm -hmm. in life. Yeah. And uh, it, it was that strong for me, that, that pull to it. And then, and then I was able to use that to help people con connect themselves and their teams to it, you know, and that's so much, I just felt so much more powerful than, than any particular tool, than one Kanban board, than, than making sure everyone does a stand up every day. Mm -hmm. And I think I've seen huge, huge growth across our business, you know, in looking at it through that lens. Yeah. And I loved how you simplified that for, for me, my, this season 2020 in the podcast is about interviewing people and getting them to share how they simplified things. Because I mm -hmm. think that's the era where we're at now in is yep. start simplifying because you get better results. And I love the way that you threw away the word agile or Kanban to just say it's better way to work together Yeah, and it's better way to get results. And I think that's as simple as we can do it. Yes, we've got yeah. all these tools and techniques, but let's simplify because I think people can grasp simplicity. Yeah. Yeah. So we started treating, treating um, the way we worked as some guiding principles and used Agile as a toolkit to do that. You mm. know, it's like a plumber who rocks up, you know, you've got a problem to solve and he rocks up having an idea about how to fix plumbing but he's got a big toolkit with him. He wears a belt and his, his preferred tools are on his belt, but out in the van are some other things. And that's what we're saying. I might have agile tools in my belt, but honestly, I can make collaboration, for example, happen in many ways. And if I need to, I'll go to the van and I'll get another tool that suits better mm. be it from the agile world or not. Yeah, love that, love that. Um, I'm going to ask you to share probably what you're Stunning to be well famous for now is these conference <laughs> guest speaking conference. You just came back from Adelaide. Yes. What is the success story that you're sharing with people now that, you know, you talk about agile finding you, but yep. what is the success story? So for world vision, I think the real success story here is actually um, going on that journey. You know, we had to really tackle a number of challenges head on, like acknowledge that they were there and then actually um, be intentional about trying to solve them and using these specific tools as a way to solve them. And so there's not like one big success. There are all those little successes that you get along the way and that start to accumulate. Now that becomes really powerful when you put it in the context of world vision because ultimately the more successful we are, and I don't mean just from a profit perspective, but the more the better we do our work, the more children and families we can help. Um, so, you know, those successes come in many shapes and forms because the first one was just, you know, like I said, we started with some tools, but those tools actually gave us some um, predictability to the work we were doing, a bit of a plan and, and an ability to sort of adapt as we went. Now, that sounds basic, 
but like I said, the season, and it was in 2016, you know, we were, or maybe early 2017, we were in this season where we needed that clarity. It was actually absent. But when we have it, the success story for World Vision is that when you couldn't adapt, when you didn't have a plan, that's a problem for anybody, but when we can't adapt, when something like an emergency hits, mm. you know, when there was a, when there's a major earthquake, a tsunami, our ability to respond from the head office perspective is actually dramatically increased and much more effective with those tools in place. You know, we've actually gone through seasons where an emergency has hit at the time we were also close to launching a, a marketing campaign and we've had to cancel the marketing campaign because we couldn't do both or we couldn't serve the emergency response and return in time to deliver the marketing campaign. Yep. So and just jump in there. What would be an example of an emergency response for World Vision Australia, just to give context for people? Yeah, so like in September last year, you know, there was a 7.3 magnitude earthquake in Sulawesi in Indonesia, was followed by a tsunami. Of course, it's, you know, it's world news and there's lots of people responding, but literally, you know, we may have planned out our fortnight's work. We've planned a sprint on Friday. Friday night, an earthquake and a tsunami hits a major part of the world and Saturday morning, that plan we made is redundant. Yeah. It's completely out the window. Yeah. And we may have in the past dragged a whole department into responding to that. And maybe we still do. But in the past, what happened is we actually had to, we would spend weeks, sometimes months, delivering a marketing response to that. And then, um, and then have to drop a, a future marketing campaign because we just simply didn't have enough um, resources. We didn't have enough people and time to go back and deliver the marketing work. But it, it, it seems if people go, well, it was an emergency, it's a crisis, and it is. Those people are in critical need right then and there. And it does make sense that you would drop everything to attend to that. But that other marketing can, campaign was also driving, you know, critical life-saving work for another community, a community that doesn't have access to clean water and is sick and possibly dying because of um, diseases that come through the water. So, we, you know, we can't be quick to dismiss the power of the other marketing campaign. It was also delivering really, you know, critical change to another community in the world. So when we put one down, we've actually critically impacted World Vision's work across, you know, a whole range of vulnerable communities. Those, the, the change for us in implementing some agile methodologies that helped us move a bit faster and then return to the work meant that we could attend to the emergency and could come back to the marketing campaign. We mm. could come back. It's now we come back now in about a five-week period. We haven't cancelled the marketing campaign since we've started, you know, pulling these together. And unfortunately, natural disasters continue to happen, although it's been a little while. But we, they'll always be a part of the work we do and our ability to be able to respond to changes in a plan like that and then return to the work we were doing is actually a really uh, it's of critical importance and, and actually a real high success factor for us that we can now do that and don't have to pull the pin on the work we were planning to deliver for mm. other communities in need yeah and for me the big i think the success story if we find this is this is not an it or an application build project this is yep. campaign this is marketing yep. this is media yep. this is communication it is not yep people coding away at their desk. And that, yep. for me, I think is a real success story for World Vision and yeah. what you've been able to bring and mm. the ability to respond. Yeah. 
I think they're the two things. And and that's why I'm like, even with businesses, um, small, medium sized businesses, don't be scared by the word agile. It isn't just for IT. It actually is a different way of working, a different way of prioritizing, a different way of responding. Yep. And I call my toolkit um, how to eat your elephant. Yeah. You know, (laughs) that elephant can be anything, but it's about how do you break it down into bite sized pieces. Yeah, that's right. It's exactly the Um, same principle. Yeah, same principle. Now, when I introduced you, I said you were a part-time this, part this, part that. (laughs) Oh, my gosh, my head spins around. Um, I remember those days. What is something you want to achieve this year, though, both for your career at World Vision or maybe another um, arena um, Mm -hmm. and personally? Because I feel as if when we are... Um, focused in one area of our life we can actually detract from the other and I feel as if career and personally goals really need to be considered together I agree Uh, I stopped thinking about you know work-life balance a a little while ago and really thinking carefully about work-life integration because you they don't exist in separate bubbles of our lives you know I'm not this notion that um, women in particular, but that parents would switch off that part of them when they go to work, they, that they would be expected to act like they don't have children at work and then expected to act like they don't have work when they're at home is, you know, that's, I think, ridiculous. No, none of us work that way and we can't bring our best selves when we do mm. because you're constantly hiding, you know, 50% of, of who you are and what's happening in your in your life. So... Um, look, it's, it's, it's a really broad question to ask what do I want to achieve this year? I think, so from a career perspective, I mean, I would like to see our teams, you know, keep working with, I guess, just these principles behind, you know, Agile. And um, so I think I've probably got two goals in mind this year. One is to help our business broaden out because we've got great traction in the marketing department, but now there's a little bit of, you know, momentum and a little bit of, um, appetite I think from from the business more broadly Uh, and that's because they're now able to approach it from this perspective of oh you've given me four simple words so there's some appetite to for the rest of the business to start connecting into using these same principles to also drive the way they work and how those departments you know come together to work so that's a really exciting space and I'm hoping that um, I'll get more and more involved over the year as to how we actually help a business work that way, not just one department, which is where my focus has been, you know, at the moment. Um, But there's some shifts in our department too. Um, I'm excited that we'll welcome a a new head of marketing strategy and ops sometime in the near future, I hope. We're recruiting at the moment and that'll mean a change for the team I work in and uh, and potentially my role. And we'll actually... um, flesh out that strategy and ops team a little bit for the marketing department, which has actually been absent for pretty much the whole time I've been there. Wow. <laughs> so we've, we've never really had a formal a marketing strategy and ops team. We've had project managers, but that's, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit different. So I'm really excited to see how that team shape takes place and, and, you know, the role that, uh, that I'll be able to take there. Mm. Personally, uh, I suppose <laughs> my goal is always balance, <laughs> is always how to find a way to, you know, to achieve your career goals and to be involved in your work, but also to be involved um, at home and, and your children's lives, you know. And with Miles at school, 
now. You know, I do want to be part of that community, hence why I'm running the fundraising committee, as <laughs> I also don't do things in halves. So <laughs> I can't just be on the committee. I have to run it. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that'll come with a few other events this year. You know, I hope we'll be running a few events for the, the school that'll um, help them, you know, achieve some, some great goals for, you know, students and uh, equipment and other extra things like that that we can put in place. So I'm really enjoying being part of his, his you know, new little community as well. So both are, you know, equally important to me and I guess just finding that balance across the two, mm. uh, you know, is, is the constant struggle. <laughs> yeah. Have, um, have you actually tried some of the principles of Agile in the home <laughs> with, with your gorgeous husband Adam and uh yeah because yeah. I'm sure you have to respond not to emergencies but uh, yes. <laughs> yeah definitely uh, I, I do but subtly everyone <laughs> likes to joke people at work like to joke that I probably have you know either a wall full of post-it notes or some kind of you know Kanban for the family running on the fridge and whilst uh whilst I, I like the notion of personal Kanban if you want to try and get a six-year-old and a three-year-old to, you know, follow a wall and like move things across when they're done, it's not gonna, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. But yes, we want subtly applying, you know, some collaboration techniques and, uh, you know, perhaps a bit of reflection when things haven't gone so well. Um, but you know, yeah, it's interesting playing it, you know, with a whole different group you know what I mean the way the way you go about doing that with with a family and with small children is obviously very different to the way we do it in the office um yeah. uh, but yes definitely it has relevance in in both parts of my life <laughs> <laughs> and and that to me is kind of reflective of, of the different teams like you were talking about that you've been focusing on your department but the opportunity to go wider across they're going to respond differently to the heart of agile yeah. than what your team is and so I know I use family as a bit of a joke, but it's actually a good example of how what you know in one dynamic of people is not necessarily going to work in another dynamic. And yeah, yeah, and um, it's all about knowing who you're working with, and that's very true of teams and knowing what space they're in, because you know teams teams that are in crisis for some reason or uh, or feeling really stressed out, obviously work um, and use those principles in a really different way to teams that are just in a in, in a stable period and you know and maybe just you know ticking things over and so you're sort of you know you're always pulling different levers and little kids are just the same you've got to work out which levers are the levers that they respond to you know and how are they viewing the world so but it's equally relevant you know we talk at work about making sure we gather lots of perspectives and everyone has some input exactly the same is true of little kids yeah. they want you to see their perspective yeah. They want to say in what's going on. Yeah. I think they're a great um, reminder for us, our, yeah. our, our kids. Yep. Um, now, integrating, I love that you didn't use the word balance, that you actually talked about work-life integration because I'm actually also a believer of that. I think mm -hmm. life happens and yeah. it affects different parts of your life. Now, how do you get time for you, though? I know Jordana is going to come probably with a response <laughs> to go... <laughs> Um, I don't, but maybe that's a, an answer that you need to um, tap into a little bit more. So do you get time for yourself? And if you do, how do you make it happen? Look, I think um, the reality is 
I do. I do and I don't. I do because I, I think for the season I'm in right now as a, with a young family, those moments don't look like um, full days out. They don't look like long periods away for you, you know, and, and your Facebook feed would have you believe that you must spend weekends away with your girlfriends and go out twice a week and and make sure you spend a night with a glass of wine and a face mask on and you know and all those things and they're not that's not always realistic in fact could it potentially add you know more stress just trying to say but I've got to have all these things for me mm. so I like to think about little me moments you know and you might get one a day you might get three in a day you might get one big thing on the weekend once a month or you know more frequently but I like to just look for those moments where I can just have just a minute one minute of solitude one minute of quiet reflection one minute where your meal is hot or your cup of tea is hot and actually just enjoy that it's sort of a I suppose it's partly a mindfulness you know technique but instead of saying I must have 20 minutes to sit down and, and meditate every day. I'm not really super good at that, but I can take a minute to say, I'm going to have that cup of tea now and by myself in a quiet space or just leave the house and walk the dog for 10 minutes by myself. It's just about that mental space. And, you know, this year, like you said, I've, I've been at a lot of conferences in the past, you know, 12 months or so, um, but those moments became more and more important. You know, I'm an introvert at heart. I hate that word, but if I think about it from the context of where you draw your energy from, I need, you know, downtime, I need to recharge. And so when you're working at that kind of pace all the time, I found the best way for me to manage it was to actually say, I'm gonna need some space. And can I find three minutes to take a few deep breaths before I walk into work in the morning, just sitting in my car. Can it be silent and I can have a few deep breaths? Great. That was a nice me moment. Mm. Before I go from one meeting or one workshop to another, to another one where, you know, you're, you're on all the time. Can I stop for a moment? You know, can I just stand in the backyard with a bit of sunshine on my face before I go inside and wrestle my children into clothing, you know, for the day, like just those moments is what makes all the difference for me um so that's kind of how I try to find a little balance and then I guess you know the integration is the other important aspect I don't think you can balance these things out if you try to compartmentalize them uh, I think we all want to work in a workplace that understands that we are a full person and we want to bring our full selves to work every day and and that trust the workplace can hopefully impart and say I trust that you're doing your job and doing what needs to get done uh, and as long as you're doing that, then it's okay that you arrive late after school, drop off, leave for an appointment you might need to go to, you know, work from another location to be able to do a few jobs at the same time. You know, all of those things are what, you know, helps me keep everything in kind of in check. <laughs> I like that. I like, once again, I think I love this episode already because it's about simplicity. <laughs> like you mentioned the word moments and sitting here listening to you, I just went, yeah, that's, that for me is that gratitude thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful for this moment and many moments make up a wow. And yeah, I really love that, Jordana. That's a really, I think you said mindfulness way to look at it. And I think that is a great tip for anyone listening that, yeah, don't, don't try and tick off the must-haves. It's the moments yeah. that matter. So well, it's too stressful to think about creating big 
moments. It's, I mean, you may as well just add more meetings to your calendar. <laughs> Meeting with self, you know, must go out for four hours and enjoy every second. <laughs> that doesn't, that's not, not life. I actually heard a really interesting, so I'm going off track a bit, but I heard a really interesting um, um, parenting expert. This guy, Steve Biddulph, is an expert in parenting um, boys. He, he also looks at girls separately. But uh, when I heard him speak, he introduced this really interesting notion about quantity time versus quality time. He said, we're all going for quality time with our kids. But this is true in this same context about, you know, moments for yourself. We're looking for quality time. He said, but that doesn't exist. You don't know when the quality will happen. So you've got to go for quantity. You've got to keep looking to create moments and spend time with your child, or in this case, with yourself. Mm. Because otherwise, you've got all this pressure on now is the moment I have, and I've, it's got to be amazing, or it's got to be restorative. It's got to be all the things I need. And if it's not, you feel ripped off. Mm. But if you look for all the little moments, if 50% of them are, you know, fall flat and 50% of them work, great. Yeah. You know, then you didn't have the pressure on and the ones that worked were great. They were real moments where you went, this is great. And you don't stress about the ones that don't. Yeah, that, that is really good advice, Jordana. That is really good advice. Oh, my gosh. Um, and I do know that you do enjoy the footy with your dad. Yes, I love it. It's become <laughs> a real ritual for us. <laughs> Um, yeah, because that I'm sure that's a moment that you can get. Yeah, um, and oh. I take the kids often, but to be honest, I love a good Saturday night game when it's too late for them to be up. Yeah, and yeah, it's just me and Dad, and you know, just life chat, and yeah. those moments are really important too. Yeah, I wasn't alone, but it's still for me. Yeah, I, I agree. Wow. So if people want to get in touch with you, how's the best way that they can connect? Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. Just Jordana, J-O-R-D-A-N-A. <laughs> um, Patterson at LinkedIn or um, my World Vision email, which is jordana.patterson at worldvision.com.au. Oh, awesome. I'll put that um, on the show notes so that people Great. can actually access that for you. So I really appreciate your time today, Jordana. It's been Pleasure. really nice to, to talk work rather than um, babies all the time when we do catch up (laughs) at family events it's always about willow miles ollie yes (laughs) so yeah it's been really nice so thank you enjoy um, the rest of your day thanks it's great to chat to you thank you for listening i would love for you to subscribe tell others about the show and share with them the insights you gain to help you and your team until next time keep smiling